Hello, it's time for another episode of The Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, Air Pollution in the Summer, Part 1. Okay, so it's been a little bit of a break since the last podcast, and I promised you that I would have a couple of podcasts that would actually talk about summer air pollution in a little bit more detail. And so here we are. This is the first of those podcasts. And so today I really just want to talk about just a couple of the basics of air pollution. Why do we care about it? What are some of the common air pollutants? What are some of the common sources? And uh, what are some conditions that actually bring about the air pollution? So let's get started by talking about the five most common sources of air pollution that we consider in this country, and this is in terms of the millions of metric tons of pollutants within the atmosphere, not just in the U.S., but globally in the world as well. The first one, the biggest one, is carbon monoxide, and the biggest source for carbon monoxide is actually our vehicles that we drive around. It's one reason why when the Clean Air Act was passed in the late 1970s and the subsequent revisions, we've really focused on carbon monoxide as something to target because it's actually the biggest uh, air pollutant that we have, over 60 million metric tons globally injected into the atmosphere every year, and we all produce a lot of it by driving around combustion of fossil fuels, in particular gasoline, oil, natural gas, is one of the biggest sources, in fact it is the biggest source, of carbon monoxide air pollution in the atmosphere in the world today. When we consider the amount of carbon monoxide compared to the next largest pollutant, it's almost five times as much. And as we add more and more and more vehicles into the loop in the globe, as developing countries come along, they start having greater incomes, they start driving instead of walking or riding bicycles or taking public transit, then we put more and more of this into the air. And that's one reason it continues to be a main source of concern for air pollution scientists, particularly when it comes to the politics uh, that make uh, the regulation of carbon monoxide and other air pollutants such a big deal. Let's go to the second biggest class of air pollutants. These are called volatile organic compounds, or VOCs. And these include various types of what we also call hydrocarbons, butane, octane, hexane, any ane, propane, any ane that you may uh, have heard of is a volatile organic compound, otherwise known as a hydrocarbon. And while transportation and vehicles and fuel combustion uh, contribute a substantial proportion of VOCs, we also get a lot of them produced by various industrial processes, manufacturing, uh, iron, steel, various uh, types of products, uh, all of these types of compounds can be given off, and they enter into the atmosphere. Now, as I mentioned, there's only about one-fifth as many of these put into the atmosphere as carbon monoxide uh, molecules in terms of millions of metric tons. 
but that doesn't mean it's insignificant. It just means carbon monoxide is really huge and the rest of them are still important. We come down to the third major class of air pollutant, and it's what we call nitrogen oxides. And they, these take several forms. You can have uh, nitric oxide, you can have uh, nitrogen dioxide, you can have any number of potential uh, oxides of nitrogen. Nitric and nitrous are the two that we care about the most. Nitric oxide has a chemical symbol NO. It's non-toxic. It's colorless, it's odorless. It has some natural sources, and it also is a byproduct of high-temperature combustion processes. Again, in vehicle engines, industrial manufacturing, and also electric power generation. The biggest reason we care about this compound is that it oxidizes in the atmosphere to form nitrous oxide, which is chemical symbol N2O, two nitrogen atoms, one oxygen atom in the molecule. And nitrous oxide is toxic and is a big component in smog around cities. And in particular, it can give the atmosphere more of a yellowish color or a reddish-brown color and a bad smell. Now, many of the cities in the Rust Belt in the U.S. in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even early 70s had these clouds uh, or appearances of the sky where it was very yellow or very even reddish brown. You can still see this in uh, many cities in the developing world and uh, in places where regulation is not as strict as it is now in much of the Western Hemisphere. Uh, Hong Kong actually still has quite a cloud and a, a general haze uh, that's reddish brown in color that surrounds it much of the time. But our Rust Belt cities in the U.S. used to have that, and I remember growing up in western Pennsylvania, we didn't go to Pittsburgh that often, it's about an hour and a half away, uh, but we would go once in a while, and what I would remember from the trips in the late 60s and the early 70s is the fact that the sky really kind of looked yellowish. Uh, it didn't look healthy. It looked very different from the blue skies that I was used to growing up around my home. And it's the air smelled bad, and so we would always put up our windows in the car, and my dad would turn on uh, the fan and the air conditioning so that uh, we wouldn't have as bad of an experience with the smell. This is all nitrogen oxides, and in particular nitrous oxide. So it's definitely still an issue. Uh, but it is much better than it used to be. If you go to Pittsburgh today, it is a completely, completely different uh, looking city than it used to be. It looks very, much, much cleaner. There's still air pollutants around. There's still a lot of carbon monoxide. There's still ozone. There's still other pollutants. But a lot of the nitrous oxide is gone. One of the other things that's also gone from Pittsburgh and many of the Rust Belt cities is a lot of sulfur compounds. Sulfur compounds as pollutants in the air can occur either as gaseous components or as what we referred to in the last podcast, aerosols, very small particulates. Natural sources actually account for almost two-thirds of the sulfur compounds that we see in the atmosphere. 
uh, these can, uh, natural sources can include volcanic eruptions, like the one that's currently still going on around Kilauea. That can put out an enormous amount of sulfur. But other types of sources, one that's related to volcanoes, are steam vents, like at Yellowstone, other geysers, other places where there's a lot of geothermal activity. There's also a natural release of hydrogen sulfide, chemical symbol H2S, when something is decaying. In particular, uh, this is the compound that is behind the rotten egg smell when your eggs are spoiled and gone rotten. But sulfur compounds can also even come into the atmosphere through something as simple as spray from the ocean. In addition to these natural sources, there are also man-made or what we call anthropogenic sources of the sulfur compounds, in particular uh, the sulfur oxides, what we sometimes call the socks, sulfur dioxide, sulfur trioxide, that are produced by the burning of fossil fuels, coal and oil. And these compounds, when they get together with water molecules, they basically uh, can be uh, dissolved within the water molecule, make the water molecule that much more acid, uh, the acidic, and so these sulfur compounds are what's behind acid rain, which is particularly a problem in the northeastern quadrant of the U.S., but it can occur anywhere and does occur uh, many places worldwide. So where we have the biggest problem with acid rain is usually downwind of where there's a lot of coal burning power plants. And coal burning power plants have been another big target of the Clean Air Acts. And it's been one of the reasons why uh, it, the uh, recent uh, rescinding of some provisions of the Clean Air Acts has taken place because industry has complained it's too hard to, to uh, clean enough of the sulfur out of their facilities so that they can still be profitable. Whether you believe that or not, that's not the discussion for this podcast. That will probably be a discussion for a future podcast. But just cause and effect, uh, we have the sulfur particles. So finally, we come down to the last of the major pollutant categories, and that's what we call PM 2.5. PM stands for particulate matter, and that includes all these aerosols that we talked about in the last podcast. Volcanoes, wildfires, uh, just dust storms can produce a significant degree of particulate matter and aerosols. But we also can produce these through combustion processes, industrial processes, and from various forms of transportation. Diesel engines, in particular, can produce significant particulate loads. We, why the 2.5? The 2.5 stands for the diameter in micrometers of the particles. Particles that are this small if we breathe them in, it can sometimes be very difficult to get them out. They irritate uh, lung tissue, they cause inflammation, they cause any number of uh, respiratory ailments. Whether these ailments are mild or whether they be serious, the more of the PM 2.5 that you get into your lungs and you can't get back out, the more irritation there's going to be, the more problems you're going to have, especially later in life, with your breathing. And so PM 2.5 is something that we track. And 
This podcast is already starting to get a little bit long, so I'm going to leave the discussion of how we track, how we predict air pollution, and some of the processes in the atmosphere that can make pollution worse or better for the next podcast. So for now, I'll leave you with this discussion of the air pollutants, the major ones, and their sources. And that's all for today. For the Daily Bolt, this is Dr. Jeff Tilly, your host. If you like this podcast, please like us, share us, follow us. Uh, we are on iTunes now. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you really like us, please contribute to our growth and expansion by becoming a patron. Uh, if you go to podbean.com and look for the Daily Bolt, there will be uh, ways in which you can directly uh, become a patron through that page. For now, good night, good morning, good afternoon, depending on when you're hearing this, and God bless.